Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. Welcome to Victory Hill Church. If you would, do me a favor, turn to somebody that's right next to you and say, hey, you're looking good this morning. And uh, hopefully you don't have to lie to them, okay? Hopefully that's the truth. We are so glad that you're here today and that you are here at Victory Hill. We also like to take an opportunity to welcome all of those individuals who are joining us online. It's been so exciting over the last several weeks to hear even some people that have gathered here in person tell us that where they started at, how they found out about the church was watching online. And so if everybody in here would help us, would you help everybody in here? Would you welcome everybody that's online today watching? And if this is your very first Sunday in person, we are so glad that you're our guest, but we pray that eventually you won't just feel like a guest, that this is a place that you can make home. And uh, we would challenge you to give us three weeks. If you continue to come back for the next three weeks, give us three weeks, check out everything inside the church. And I think you'll find that this is a place that you can call home, that you can get involved and that you can grow in your faith and uh, become just a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, we are in week four of our series on Daniel. And uh, and what we've been doing in this series, the, the title of it's Daniel, faithful living in fragile times. And that really kind of uh, describes the time and the period that we are currently living in. And what we're answering kind of in Daniel is this, is how do you live godly in an ungodly culture? How do, we, how do we live out our faith in an ungodly culture? How do we stand firm inside a culture? But how do we also love well and have influence on those that are around us? And, and Daniel's really the perfect book for this because the context of the story of Daniel takes place as the, the nation of Israel is in captivity. And they've been at this point in the book of Daniel, they'll have been in captivity for almost 70 years. And here these, uh, these Jewish boys, these believers, these followers of Jesus Christ are confronted with this secular culture and how do I remain faithful to God how do I love God how do I arrange my life to still worship God in the midst of all of this um, things that are going on around us and so it's an amazing book and we're kind of looking at some of those questions and I want to remind you this morning um, in week one we said Daniel is a very interesting book because the Old Testament is not set up chronologically and so when you read through the Old Testament like stories are out of place it can get a little confusing if you just try to read straight through that the Old Testament Testament is set up by the types of books that they are. And so there's a history section and there's a literature section and, and then there's the major and minor prophets. And, and Daniel is very interesting because Daniel actually fits into two categories. Um, Daniel, the first six chapters is a historical book and the, the stories that we've been looking at over the last several weeks, they're stories. They're stories that really took place in history. And then um, the last uh, six chapters are all prophetic. But I also want to propose to you today that even the section of Daniel that is historical has a prophetic undertone that what we see in the book of Daniel happening in the first six chapters are things that are speaking into our lives today and they are actually some of the very things that we're seeing taking place inside of our culture in our world today. And so last week, as we dived into Daniel chapter 4, we talked about how our culture wants us to try to get us to elevate ourselves into lower God. And that this is really the root of all sin inside of our world. An elevation of self, a lowering of God. And we said you have a choice. That you can either choose humility for yourself or God can humble you. 
and I don't know about you, but I'd rather choose humility for myself. And then the Bible says that when we choose humility, then God can lift us up. Then he can raise us up when we decide that we're going to walk in humility. And so today we're going to jump into Daniel chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in that chapter today. And let me give you a little bit more context. There is 25 years that has gone by from Daniel chapter 4 to Daniel chapter 5. And so in the story that we're going to see today, King Nebuchadnezzar is no longer the king. There is a new king, and his name is Belshazzar. Um, Daniel is a lot older than he was in chapter 1. In chapter 1, we described him as a teenager. Um, But at this point, he is an older gentleman. He is an older man. And yet he still has influence in society and culture in which he is living in. This passage of scripture is also going to refer to Belshazzar, the new king, as the, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. But actually, that, the word when he says it refers to Nebuchadnezzar as his father was just a term of endearment and of respect. That Belshazzar would have actually been like a grandson, um, probably even maybe even a great-grandson to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so let's pick up in chapter 5. We're going to read through this and we're going to pull out some application for our lives today. Here's the main character in the story, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And this is a big deal. So these were holy um, artifacts that Nebuchadnezzar had taken and put into his temple. But these are holy artifacts. And the kings and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And so here's the setting of the story. There is a lot of people at this massive party that's taking place in the kingdom in the palace of Babylon. It is a wild party. It is out of control. I mean, this is just, I mean, picture any wild party that you've ever heard of. Maybe, hopefully you haven't been there, Um, but think of like Mardi Gras. Think of something that's like, maybe like we get this picture that's really out there, that there's all kinds of things that are taking place. This is what's happening in the book of Daniel at the very beginning. And so they have this carefree party, this gigantic party that's going on. And in the midst of this party, they are mocking God by getting the holy artifacts from the temple and saying, hey, we're going to pour wine into these goblets that were supposed to be set aside for religious purposes. And so they are mocking God. And in this setting, here's what takes place. Verse 5, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. And so this is literally, we don't know exactly what it looks like. I wonder sometimes, like, was it a big ghostly hand that all of a sudden kind of appeared and it's kind of, you know, out there. Maybe it was just like a small real hand and all of a sudden it starts writing. But there appears a human hand and it starts to write things on the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. And here's what takes place. His face turned pale. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw a hand just appear out of nowhere and started writing on the wall today, I think my face would turn pale just as yours would. And this is what happens. His face turned pale and he was frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. So this is the description of what's taking place. The king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, and the diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck. 
I want to summarize the next couple passages of verses. The Bible says this, is that all of a sudden these individuals come and none of these individuals can figure out what the writing on the wall means. And let me tell you why these individuals cannot figure out what the writing on the wall means. Because all the mysteries of God, only God knows the secrets to them. Only God knows the secrets to them. That God has mysteries. Let me me put it this way to you. God has mysteries about your life that you will never know until you connect to the God who has the book on your life. There's things that you will never be able to unlock inside of your life until your life is fully connected to God because we cannot figure out this life apart from God. And if you've entered in here today and you've been trying to figure out life on your own, let me just tell you something. It is, it, you're, it's, it's no use. It's, it's meaningless because you cannot figure out life apart from God. And so when all of Belshazzar's uh, sorcerers, all these individuals could not translate the message, the Bible says that the queen, who would have been um, Belshazzar's um, grandmother, said all of a sudden, she says, hey, there is one in the kingdom. There's a Hebrew boy by the name of Daniel, and I think he can interpret the handwriting on the wall. So it picks up in verse 13. So Daniel is brought before the king. And the king said to him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? Once again, look at the influence Daniel has in his culture because he stand firm, because he loved well. So he's brought before the king once again. And he says, I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insights, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise man, the enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now, I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you'll be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck. And you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. To which Daniel replies, you can keep your gifts You can keep your chains. I'm going to interpret your dream for you. But he all of a sudden reminds Belshazzar. He says, I want to remind you something though. I interpreted a dream for your grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar. And when I interpreted that dream for him, he didn't like it. And I don't think you're going to like the dream that I'm about ready to interpret for you. And so before this interpretation, he reminds Belshazzar what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, when I interpreted his dream, he went insane for seven years. That was the story we looked at last week. And he says, he began to eat with the cows and the rain of heaven began to fall upon him. He lost everything. He went crazy when I interpreted his dream. And the reason that your grandfather went crazy is because you didn't, he didn't humble himself. And that Belshazzar, you have done and gone the same thing. You've allowed your pride and you've allowed your arrogance to get in the way because that pride is the root of all sin inside of our life. And Belshazzar is coming back to that moment inside of his life. And then the story goes on in verse 23. Instead, Belshazzar, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. And the message I want to bring to you today and the thoughts that I want to share with you today is that in a sense, if we're not careful and we don't heed the warnings that God gives us in our life, we are setting ourselves up against the Lord of heaven. That if we're not careful in our lives, we will set our lives against the Lord in heaven. And the thing about it is that God is so loving 
And God is so gracious to each and every one of us that God gives us a warning before he actually gives us the consequences. That God does not want us to experience the consequences that life brings our way. So he gives us warnings. And we see it all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, he would tell the people and he would tell the nation of Israel, if you don't turn from your ways, if you don't change what you're doing, guess what? Here's what the consequences are going to be. This is what we see in the Bible. When God sets down laws, when he sets down rules, he's, all he's doing is warning us. He says, you can choose to do whatever you want. You can choose to live your life however you want to. But if you don't heed my warning, what you're going to be doing is setting yourself up against the Lord of heaven. And when we set ourselves up against God, then guess what? There is going to be consequences to those choices that we make. And so he looks at Belshazzar and he says this. He says, you had the goblets from his temple brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. He said to him, he says, you took the holy things and you made them unholy. You took that which was supposed to be holy and you made them unholy. He goes on. He says, you praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. He says, you're living your life incorrectly, Belshazzar. You've connected your life to these things, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which you cannot see or hear. You've connected your life to things that can never give you meaning to this life, that can never give your life actual purpose. And then he says, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Can I remind you today that it's God who holds our lives in his hands. It's God that has the destiny in store for our lives. And if we're going to do something, we need to honor the God who holds our lives in our hands. And he says this, therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. You see, we use this saying today in our society, maybe you've heard it, that the handwriting is on the wall. Have you ever looked at somebody's life and you've seen the way that they're living their life and you say to yourself, man, the handwriting's on the wall. Like if they continue to go down that path, there's gonna be consequences. And what that saying simply means is that doom is imminent. That consequences are coming. Disaster is about to happen. There's a handwriting that's taking place on the wall. And the truth is, even in our own lives, if we don't recognize the handwriting on the wall, there's going to be some consequences to our life. And so I understand today, this may not be a popular message, but it's a message that we need to hear because we need to be warned about some things inside of our lives that may set us up against the God who is in heaven. So Daniel goes on. Verse 25 and verse 26, he says, this is the inscription that was written, mean, mean, tekel, parsen. Mean, mean, tekel, parsen. Now, I think sometimes we read the Bible and we miss the humor of God. Because can you see in this moment, God's in heaven. He's like, man, I'm about, ready to, I'm about ready to scare this guy. I'm about ready to make him go crazy here for a moment. And he sends a hand and he says, here's the words you're going to put on it. Mean, mean, tekel, parsen. And God's up in heaven going, this isn't even a language. Because if it was a language, they might be able to interpret it. He's like, I'm just going to make something up and I'm going to write it on the wall. And it's going to scare them to death. I walked into the house the other day and my boy started talking to me in this like weird language. And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, what are you doing? And after a few minutes, they were like, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, Dad, we're speaking Spanish. And I was like, I don't think it's Spanish, dude. I don't think it's Spanish. Apparently, they did it well enough that their teacher at the daycare that they go to thought they knew Spanish, you know? I was like, hey, keep it up, boys. Keep it up. I think God was in heaven. He's like, I'm going to give you a language, 
I'm going to write some words, and there is no way that your astrologers and the people who don't, aren't connected to God, there's no way they're ever going to be able to understand this language. But in these words, mean, mean, to Cal parsen, I believe are some prophetic warnings for us for the last days. Because the book of Daniel, while it's full of history, it's also full of prophecy. And in these words are prophetic warnings for the last days. And I want to sit in here in a moment just to look at these words carefully. And I want us to look at them closely and see how they apply to our lives. And then I want to give you three things today that we can do in response to these words that we see here. So here's the first word. The first word is this in verse 26. It says this. Here is what these words mean. 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 The word mean. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. So the word mean simply means numbered. It simply means numbered. And what he was trying to say is this, is you only have a little bit of this thing called life, and because you don't recognize it, you're not living it properly. That he says, you need to understand that your days are numbered. And the problem is this, is we forget often in our lives that our days are numbered. We forget that we have a limited amount of days in this world, in this earth, and we forget that. And if we don't remember that, if we don't remember the fact that we are living with a limited amount of time, guess what? We are going to waste the time that God has given us in this world. You see, the truth is this. Anytime you have a lot of something, we tend to squander it. Anytime you have a limited amount of something, you use it wisely. Think about it for a moment. If you have a lot of money in your bank accounts, you're not as concerned if the kids leave the lights on. You may not like it, but it's not like, oh my word, my world is coming falling down. But if you have a limited amount of money in your bank account and somebody leaves the light on, you think to yourself, I don't have the money to pay for that thing. And so I want you to turn the lights off because I don't know where the next dime is going to come from. The same is true about food. If you have a lot of food in your refrigerator, you have a lot of food on your table, you tend to squander the food that you have in front of you. But if you have a little bit of it, guess what? You look at that and you think to yourself, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. Therefore, you use the resource that you have and you use it wisely inside of your life. And so here's what he's saying in this. He says, don't forget that your days are numbered because if you forget this, then you are going to end up squandering things in your life. You see, when we recognize our limitations, we tend to make the most out of our lives. When we recognize that, you know what, there is a limited amount of days that I have on this earth, then we begin to maximize those days because we realize there's limitations, that this life doesn't just go on forever and ever and ever and ever. So I better use the life that I have here and now to do something for the glory of God. See, unfortunately this week, and many of you, a lot of you came through, we had a funeral service at the church, and it was a funeral service for a 32-year-old young man. And can I tell you something that happens in those moments? It's usually when you go to any funeral service, but when you go to a funeral service of someone that's that young, you know what it reminds you of? It reminds you of the fact that my days are numbered. The Bible says, what is life? It's but a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. That it is a limited amount of this that we have. We can't squander it. We've got to use it for the kingdom purposes that God has for our lives. And when we live with this realization that our days are numbered, you know what happens? Is we begin to set aside the distractions this world offers. 
and we begin to focus in on what matters most, which is our relationship with God. You see, this world wants to distract us from purpose inside of our lives. It wants to pull you in a million different directions. It wants you to wake up tomorrow and think to yourself, I got the rest of my life to do that. I got the rest of my life to reorganize it around these core principles and these things that really matter inside of life. So the world wants to distract you from those things, and God wants you to remember your days, my days are numbers, so use your life for the glory of God. And what we see in the story is this, Belshazzar does not recognize this. What's he doing? He's in the palace. He's partying. He's taking the holy things of God and he's making them unholy. I mean, this is a massive, massive party. And Belshazzar, in that moment, you know what he thought to himself? He thought, I have the rest of my life to be the king of Babylon. I have the rest of my life to rule over this nation. But we find at the end of the story, he did not have that long because his days were numbered. Church, our days are numbered. And we need to understand and we need to take warning and we need to take to heart the fact that we can't forget that our days are numbered. Here's the second word we see. It's tekel. And it says, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. The word tekel simply means weighed. You've been weighed on the scales and you have been found wanting. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a scale in our bathroom at home. And I have a very love-hate relationship with the scales. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And so usually once a week, like, you know, I will step up on that scale. And the problem with the scale is this, is when I step on the scale, it is a reminder to me of all the poor choices that I've made throughout the week. It reminds me that I shouldn't have had three donuts. I probably shouldn't even have one, but three was way too many. It reminds me that I've probably sat on the sofa too much and I didn't get up and be active. I didn't go run. I didn't exercise. And when I step on the scale, it is a reminder that I didn't make good choices. I didn't make good decisions throughout that week. And because of that, I'm kind of feeling the pain of those things in that moment. And here's what that word simply means. He's saying, your life and time are found wanting. It's not living up to the expectations that you have. So not only are we to remember that our days are numbered, but we are responsible for how we spend them. And so the warning is this, is we allow our lives to get out of balance. That when we step up on the scale of life, we need to ask ourselves the question, how, imbalanced, how balanced is our life? And I think a lot of us would say, our lives are out of balance. It's not in rhythm that there's something that's taking and consuming so much of our time, but we are the ones responsible for how we spend our time. If you looked at how you used your time, would it be out of balance with the priorities that you say you have for life? And so the warning is, is we need to take inventory. We need to pause enough and go, how am I spending my time? And for some of you, the warning is simply this. If you don't stop the push for more and more and adding more and more to your life, it will destroy you. Amen. It will destroy you. We live in a culture that says more is better. But maybe the reality is, is your kids don't need to play five sports because more isn't better. Maybe the reality is, is you don't need to say yes to every invitation that you need to learn to say, you know what, I'm going to say no to this, even though it may be a good thing. It's just not the way that I think God has prioritized me to spend my time. Maybe you need to understand that in light of the fact that your days are numbered, how are you spending your time? 
And if I live with the sense that I only have a little bit of this time, why are we wasting it on things that have no purpose inside of our life? If you live with that sense, why are we allowing our time to be wasted for things that are so minimal, so trivial inside of our life? Because I'm telling you, that's what culture wants to do. It wants to get you off course and away from your purpose. And so you need to ask the question, does how I use my time contribute to the purpose that God has for my life? How am I using that time? I love the way Ecclesiastes 4 says it. Better one handful with tranquility or with peace. It's better to have one handful of something than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better is one handful than two. And this is against our culture because we think in our culture that more is better. We think if $1 is good, then $2 is definitely better. But what is the cost of that second dollar? It's a lack of peace. It's a lack of a strong family. It's a lack of a healthy marriage. And we go after more and more and more. We're like, one car is good, two cars must be better. And so we arrange our lives to get more and we lack peace inside of our life. You see, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. You see, our lives, look at this, our lives function best in our God-given design, not culture-driven demands. Culture is going to demand stuff of you. It's trying to pull you away from the God-given design that he has created you to be and how to live out your life. But our lives really function best when we're walking in the God-given design that he has for us instead of being pulled around and, and pushed around by all the demands that culture throws onto our lives. You could say it this way. It's better to live by design and not by defaults. It's better to live by design and not by default. And some of you are going through life and you've put life on cruise control and you're just in this default mode. You're like, hey, whatever happens just happens. And you're missing out on the design that God has for your life. And I want you to know something. You were made on purpose for a purpose, and you've got to find that purpose, and you've got to live it out inside of your life. That's when life really becomes an adventure. That's when dreams begin to be fulfilled inside of your life. When you realize that God-given design and not culture-driven demands is going to make and push you forward inside of your life. David said it this way in Psalms 139. Your eyes saw my unformed body, for you were ever formed. All the days, God has a design. There's a God-given design. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's a design that God has for your life. And if you're not careful, he says, guess what? You're going to weigh your life on the scales of life, and you're going to find it lacking. Here's the final working, uh, warning. We see it in this verse, in the final part of it. Perez. He says, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Perez means divided. And so what he's saying this, if you don't heed the first two warnings, if you don't realize that your days are numbered and that you have a limited amount of time, then you are going to be divided. And when you are divided in your life, something is going to be destroyed. Something is going to to suffer. And he says, if you don't want your hearts and your lives to be divided, you better understand that your days are numbered and your time in your life is out of balance. What's going to get divided? What's going to get destroyed? It may destroy your marriage. It may destroy your family. It may destroy your health. 
It may destroy your mental state, the peace of mind that you can have inside of your life. And if we're not careful, it will destroy our faith. And it's this interesting part is this. Is here's the thing. If we ignore the warning is this. If we ignore the warning signs. That too often this is what we do inside of our life. God's giving us warnings and we choose to ignore them. It's interesting of how warning signs work. If you ignore them long enough, guess what? You find yourself in trouble. That's just how warning signs work. A couple, uh, couple weeks ago, um, the car that I have um, has tire sensors on it. Okay, I've never had a car that had tire sensors on it. And so I, I pull into the garage one day, and one of the sensors tells me that the tire is low. And you know what I thought to myself? I thought, man, that sensor must be broken because there's no way that my tire is low. And so you know what I did? I ignored the warning. And I continued to drive on this tire that said it, had not, it didn't have enough air. I got home, and I parked it in the garage. The next day I wake up, and it says that the tire is even lower than what it was before. And I thought to myself again, man, we need to get these sensors fixed. My tire is not flat. I was driving that day. You know what I began to hear as I went down the road? That sound that it makes. And I was like, huh, maybe these sensors aren't broken. Maybe it's trying to tell me that there is a leak inside of my tire. So I went and filled it up. A couple hours later, the tire was getting flat again. I finally went to the store and I had a nail on my tire. But isn't it so like our lives that God gives us warning signs of things that are taking place inside of our lives and we try to push them off as some other excuse and we don't actually deal with the signs that he's giving us? You see, God loves us so much that God says, I want to get your attention. And I think there's warning signs that God gives us in our lives to warn us about things that are about ready to happen in our life. I think there's times that he'll let you have a little bit of stress because it's a warning sign that there's something not right on the inside of you. There may be some times inside of your marriage that you're gonna face a little bit of hardship and you know what God's trying to do? He's trying to get your attention to say, hey, you need to work on this. You need to work on this marriage. You need to work on the tension that's happening with your kids at this time. And it's warning signs that God is giving us because God is a good God. And before he brings judgment upon us, he tries to give us a warning sign. And here's the problem. We attend to ignore the warning signs. So what are some warning signs that he gives us? Let me give you a couple of them real quickly. The first is this. The risk of sinful choices increases. If you find yourself in a place in life where it seems like you are being tempted more often, can I tell you something? That is a warning sign from God that something is not right on the inside of you, that you're not maximizing your life, that you're not using your time wisely. Because here's what the enemy does. The more tired you are, the more unhealthy you are in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul is the time the enemy attacks you the most. It's the time he says, oh, this might be my perfect opportunity to tempt them and to get them to fall into temptation. We see this in the life of Jesus in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus was in the wilderness and and he was there and he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the devil came to him and says, if you are the son of God, aren't you hungry? How about you turn these stones to bread? Don't you want something to eat, Jesus? And this is the same thing the enemy does inside of our lives, that when we are depleted, when we're running on empty, when we're tired, when we're exhausted, he brings temptations inside of our lives. And so if you're facing more and more temptations inside of your life, can I tell you something? It's the tire light that's going off and God's saying, hey, there's something not right in you. You need to make some changes inside of your life. 
If your emotions are inconsistent, it's a warning sign inside of your life. If you find yourself flying off the handle, getting mad and angry at things that you would never get mad and angry at before, guess what? That is a warning sign that God is trying to get your attention. And he's saying to you, hey, there's something not right on the inside of you. Your soul is trying to tell you, why am I getting so frustrated about these things? Because there is a disconnect inside of your life. The third thing is this, it's a warning sign when I am less productive. When I am less productive. You see, if we don't honor God's principles, then we can't reap his blessings. And one of the principles of God that he gives us is that we are to take a Sabbath. And that we are, the Sabbath is an opportunity to come to the house of God and worship God, but it's also an opportunity to kind of unplug and do some things inside of our lives that re-energize us. Can I tell you what I found in my life? When I get going a million miles an hour and my plate is too full, I am less productive. And I'm not as good as a husband, I'm not as good of a father, and I can't live out the purposes that God really has inside of my life, that when I get tired, and so God says, you know what, the warning sign sometimes for you is that, hey, when you begin to see that you're less productive, and you're going, man, I feel like I'm so busy, but I don't feel like I'm making any progress, it's a warning sign that, hey, something needs to change. The fourth thing is this, is I can't hear God. I can't hear God. You know, I I work with a lot of people, and there's so many times that people come to me and say, man, I just need God's direction. I just can't hear his voice inside of my life, and they're frustrated, and they're overwhelmed by that. And you know what oftentimes is the issue? Is this a warning side from God that you have too much noise inside of your life? Because God is speaking. The question is, are you listening? His voice is active. Like, it's available all the time to us. And when we say, I just can't hear God, I just need to hear God, oftentimes it's because he's speaking, but you just can't hear him. There's too much noise around you. You ever been to a stadium on Saturday afternoons and 100,000 people? Well, I mean, if it's the big house, it's like over 100,000 people, you know? The shoe's a little bit smaller. We, 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 we take that because we can't seem to win any football games, okay? So, so that's just all we have going for us. We have more people in our stadium. But if you go into a football stadium, you can be standing next to a person trying to talk to you and what you can't even hear them. Why? Because there's so much noise going on. When you can't hear God, it's a warning sign that God wants to give you inside your life that something is not right. Unfortunately, Belshazzar does not heed the warnings. Look what it says in this next passage. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed to the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But this promotion didn't last very long. Why? Because Belshazzar did not heed the commands. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. He did not heed the warnings. And that very night, Belshazzar's life came to the end. He didn't think that his days and his time was number. So what can we learn from this prophetic book? How can we respond to these warnings? Let me give you three things real quickly this morning before we close. The first is this, is we need to learn to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. If your days are numbered and your life matters and your life does matter, it matters to God then the greatest gift you can give yourself is to pursue God, to find purpose, and have something to live for. Church, if we are in the end times, then we've got to begin to live our lives with a sense of purpose and urgency. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So how are we living our lives today to glorify and to honor God? 
You matter to God. You have a purpose inside of your life. And so you need to find that purpose and you need to begin to live it out every single day of your life. When we advertise Growth Track around here, part of the reason we want everybody to go through Growth Track is because we want you to get fired up about your relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to get fired up about the mission of God inside of the earth. But not only do we want you to get fired up about the mission of God, we want you to discover how your life is going to matter inside of that mission so that you can begin to live on purpose inside of your life and live every single day of your life going, man, God's got a higher purpose and calling inside of my life. And my days are numbered. I'm not going to waste the time that I have here. I'm going to live it with a sense of purpose and of urgency. I mean, you know how much difference this world would be if we woke up every day and said, today I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. Today, I'm going to find a way to impact somebody's life. Today, I'm going to encourage somebody. Today, I'm going to share my faith. Today, maybe the difference of heaven and hell for somebody. And I'm going to live my life with purpose and urgency. That is what God has called us to, church. And so if we're going to fight these warnings, if we're going to fight against these things, we got to live with that sense. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 39, 4 through 5. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. We need that reminder. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. If you can look at your hand every day and you might think to your, start thinking to yourself, that's as long as my life is. So I better make a difference today. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. And so we need to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. The second thing is this, is if our lives are out of balance, he said we need to weigh them. We need to learn to put first things first. Put first things first. Because order determines capacity. Order determines capacity. And so when you look at your life, the first things that you do inside of your life is going to determine the capacity that you have for all of the other things in your life. Because the first thing determines the capacity for everything else. Let me give you this small example. It's a simple example. But too often, this is what our lives look like. Like we go through life and we allow the mundane things of life. We allow culture to fill our lives up with stuff. And before we know it, we look at our schedules, we look at our times, we look at our family, we look at our work, and we're like, we just, we're, our lives are already full. And so this looks like our lives, our lives are almost filled, and then we start trying to figure out how we're going to get the important things into our lives. We're like, okay, well, man, faith, hopefully faith is important. Hopefully your relationship with God, your quiet times with God is important. Hopefully your family is important to you and that you're spending quality time with them. And quality time doesn't mean that you are doing those things apart from your relationship with God. Can I just tell you, faith and life are supposed to intertwine. Like it's not like faith is Sunday and then the rest of the week I go through life. It's like life and faith are intertwined together. So my marriage is important, you know, and hey, I've got to do work and I'm going to do all my work to onto the Lord and, and ministry is important. And here's the problem that we get to is we get to a place inside of our life and, and our life is kind of overflowing because we've allowed our life to get overflowed with the mundane and we feel stressed out. We have no capacity left. And let me just say this, when you live your life this way and there's no margin left inside of your life, you're missing opportunities that God wants to put in front of you. I'm not saying I'm good at this, but I'm trying to be aware of it that if I don't have margin in my life, I'm going to miss God opportunities in front of me because I'm going to be on to the next thing when God wants me to stop in this moment right here. So we allow our lives to get filled up. But order, order determines 
capacity, we have to put the first things first. And so what does the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. So when I put my faith first, when I put my relationship with God as the primary, my quiet times, when I put my family and my kids first, and all those things, and then I get my order correct, now he says, you know, everything else that kind of, kind of goes along with it, and you're like, man, I said yes to too many things. He says, now I can pour those things into your life. And order begins to determine capacity inside of your life. And the amazing thing is this, is when we get the order right, we make the first things first. It still all fits into it. And actually, there's still a little bit of space left to be, have the margin that we need inside of our lives. And so we've got to get the first things first. I love it the way it says in Psalms 90 verse 12, and this is the living translation. Teach us to number our days and to recognize, to have an awareness of how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. And the writer says, you know, you should look at your time like money. Like, are you spending it wisely? It's hard sometimes to spend our money wisely, isn't it? I have two boys, and uh, we went to Tennessee a couple months ago, and they had some money that their grandparents had given them. They had some money that they had earned, and so they had $50 a piece. Can I tell you, these guys are not savers. They're not like their dad. They take that after their mother. We go into stores and they say, dad, I want to buy this. And we started getting down the home front. And I'm like, do you really need that, bud? Because your money is going to run out. So they saved a little bit back. And, and we actually brought some money home from, from vacation. And then the other, days we were, the other day we were in the store. My little guy Jackson went into the store. And, and they were on this Mario kick. And so he wanted this stuffed Yoshi. And can I tell you, those things are stupid expensive. It's like... $14. And I was like, but if you buy that, that's all of your money. He says, I want this. Well, his brother saved his money for a moment. We went to another store and Jackson saw something else. And he's like, dad, I want this. And I had to tell him, if you want that, you're going to have to return your Yoshi. So we returned the Yoshi. And now he's been crying because he wants a Yoshi. And I said he had to earn some more money. But isn't it true? We struggle to learn how to spend things wisely. And we have to recognize in our life, we have a limited amount of time, so we have to put the first things first. And we have to look at our lives and recognize that where it's out of balance, I'm gonna put the big things first. And the final thing is this, is we need to do it now. Do it now. I think we too often live in a, this when-then syndrome. One day when I get married, then I'll find happiness. One day when I get the right home, then I'll use my home to lead a small group and help disciple people for God. One day when I make more money, then I'll tithe and I'll honor God in the first fruits. One day when the kids are grown, then I'll work on my marriage. The win-then syndrome. But the truth is, is we need to do it now. Several years ago, there was an author by the name of Kerry Shook that came out with a book. And, he, and, he, and the title of the book was simply this, One Month to Live. 30 days to a re no regret life. And the premise of the book was this. He says, you know what? If you only had 30 days to live, what would you start inside of your life? If you knew in 30 days that everything was coming to an end, what would you do today? What would you start inside of your life? And then he says, what would you stop? What would you stop? I only have 30 days. What am I going to start? What am I going to stop? And at the end of it, he pretty much said, whatever you were going to start and whatever you were going to stop, 
don't wait, do that now. Act like you only have 30 days to live because your days and your time is limited. Your days are numbered. So we do it today. Second Corinthians 6 verse 2 says it this way. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put off tomorrow what God is calling you to do today. Don't slide it off and think that you have as much time as you need. Just begin to say, God, what is it that you want me to do now? God, I got to live my life with a sense of purpose and urgency inside of my life. You see, God doesn't want us to experience the pain of a divided kingdom. He doesn't want us to not heed the warning signs. He wants us to heed the warning signs to make the changes that are necessary inside of our lives because our days are numbered. Our life is short. I don't want to live a divided kingdom. I don't want to live in a divided life. I want to live my life with a sense of purpose and urgency, that God's given me a mission, that there are people all around us. Guess what, church? If they don't know Jesus, they're not going to spend eternity with them. And we got to understand that's my purpose, and there's urgency to it. The days are getting short. God, I need to put the first things first. I need to reorganize my life. I need to reprioritize some things in my life so that you can fill it up so that what's really important doesn't get bypassed. Because God, if I have a lot of it, sometimes I just kind of squander it. But God, if I realize I don't have that long left, then I'm going to maximize it for your kingdom purposes and then do it today. So what needs to be reorganized? What needs to be reprioritized? What needs to be changed inside of your life? Who do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to share your faith with today? The Bible would say, do it now. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I'm out of time. With every head bowed and every eye closed, two things, two questions. The first is this. As this band's going to come and they're going to sing a song and we're going to close in just a time of worship together, I've just prayed during this time that you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Like there's probably some things that you need to reorganize. There's some things that you've taken for granted inside of your life. There's some areas of your life that you think you had all kinds of time. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken inside of you what you need to reorganize, what you need to reprioritize, what the first things need to be inside of your life. Maybe you need to empty out the cup of your life and say, God, I'm going to start rebuilding over because I've not made you the first thing. Maybe there's a sense of purpose that you need to discover, a sense of urgency that you need to walk in. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and that you don't say, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next month. You're not guaranteed any of those moments. Do it today. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. The second thing that I want to ask is maybe you've entered into this place today and the truth is, is you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've put that off and you said, one day I'll accept Christ. One day I'll follow after him. One day my family will serve him. One day, one day, one day. But can I tell you something? Today is the day of salvation. Today is that day. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to help you walk in that relationship. I want to lead you in a right relationship with God. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you don't know Jesus Christ and you would like to accept him as your Lord and Savior, whether you're in person or online, would you just raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand in this place today? And just say, today, today, today is that day for me. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I thank you, Lord. God, for the gift of salvation, Lord. And I just pray today, Lord, that whether people are watching online or sitting in this room, that you would just grab their hearts today. God, help us to understand, God, that our days are numbered, that our life is short, God, and the most important thing in our life is you. And so, God, you said in your word, if we'll declare with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was risen from the grave, that we shall be 
saved. So God, we confess our sins to you. God, we ask that you come into our hearts and that you would forgive us, Lord, of all of those things in our lives, Lord. And God, that today we would have a right relationship with you. And now, God, right now in this moment, I pray your Holy Spirit to be alive and active. God, help us to reprioritize, God. God, help us to live life with a sense of purpose and urgency. God, plant some dreams in people's hearts right now, God. God, help some people to have the courage to forgive and to let go, God. Help some people to take the next step that you have for them, Lord, today, God, as we reorganize our life, God, because the day are numbered. Our time is short. So God, let us recognize the warning signs in our life and allow your Holy Spirit to do a work in us. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you and we hope you have an amazing week.